0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
1: Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? All right, welcome back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, pal?
0: Going quite well. The Ravens hire Todd Munkin. The Chiefs win the Super Bowl. And it's been a, a fun couple of days here as we sail on into the offseason.
1: Yeah, certainly. It, uh, it was a little bit of a longer wait for that offensive coordinator. It looked like other teams were really getting that thing out of the way early, but uh, they all had other targets in mind. It felt like uh, the Ravens had maybe some interest uh, on the happenings of the Super Bowl and then the immediate happenings after it. It sounded like Brian Johnson of the Eagles was a target of theirs. But uh, the Colts go ahead and snap up Shane Steichen, who actually was the Eagles offensive coordinator. So now it sounds like Brian Johnson going to take that job. So, It came down to a couple names. I think it came down to uh, Dave Canales. I think it came down to Todd Munkin uh, as a couple other guys that got multiple interviews and then Eric sleeping with B enemy. They seem to be really interested in too. Uh, But for whatever reason, that doesn't happen. They go with Munkin out of Georgia, who has plenty of NFL and college experience. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'd say it was a hot commodity, but a lot of people seem impressed by this hire, which I'm among them. So.
0: Definitely. And Munkin, someone that has been around the block, has reinvented himself. And the most fun part is that wherever he goes, it's more of him putting a fun twist on what that team is or what that system is or what they've previously done. You see in Georgia's play calling, for instance, they retained a lot of the kind of single back run game and some of the condensed stuff that they were doing successfully previously. Some really glowing and nice articles on The Athletic. If you want to read more about Monkin and kind of more of the the tea leaves stuff and more of the, I guess, media talking point type things that uh, really painted a good picture of, of what he did and how he isn't just going to come in and be the, the big dick swinging and uh, tell everybody how it is and it's his way or the highway or all of those kinds of things. It seems like he enjoys finding ways to adapt or improve or add his own sauce to the take that previously was. And I think that will bode well for a Ravens team that had really good elements offensively and just needed more diversity and needed more ability to have all the tools in the tool belt for any situation at any time. And Munkin seems like someone that really always, especially at Georgia found a way in the run game or in the pass game or in certain matchups to really just attack matchups and attack schematic issues defensively and force rule changes and things like that. So um, I know a big thing is like, oh, well, he had such amazing talent at Georgia. I mean, guys, he's playing LSU and Alabama and like, (laughs) sure, Georgia is the best of the best, but like what Bama isn't, they beat Bama. They beat them in the playoffs. Like it's not some crazy thing. Like the Eagles talent disparity between them and the Texans is not insanely different than what was going on in the sec between Georgia and freaking you know, Missouri or Vanderbilt or something like that. Like there's, there's still ballers. So I think those things are a little overrated. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited for someone that feels like, uh, a little bit more of a bend into the right direction as opposed to, you know, Roman's offense had a lot of answers in certain ways, but it felt like there was a long process to earning snaps in Roman's offense and a long process to mastering his offense. So I think a team that has had that level of detail required and had that path to now maybe have things be a little quicker and simpler and opened up while still maintaining some of what they did and bringing in a more wide pass game, a quick game, getting the ball out, you know, being able to go under center and, and boot and get the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands a little quicker will make sense. Munkin is just going to be a little more balanced and uh, I think the the big receiver talky talky stuff can can finally hopefully be put to a bed here soon.
1: Yeah and I think that's a big part of it for me like I you know I made the point on Twitter that Roman had certainly had his issues it was time to go but he I don't know I, th- I still you know think he got a little bit of a short end of the stick when it came to the wide receiver position for the most part in his time here so I don't know. Like that's something that is going to have to work itself out, and we're going to see how that plays out in relation to this hire. But I mean, talk about getting the most out of talent. Uh, he had all the talent, and he made the most out of it in college. And I'm really interested to see uh, how that translates. And you talk about a guy that was using multiple tight ends there with uh, Brock Bowers, and I forget the other kid's name. Um, but yeah, there was other talent there too. Lad McConkey. I don't think he's declared for the draft or anything like that. But he got the most out of a Stethan Bennett, who was basically nobody, right? I mean, so it's a thing where, and people were also making the point of like, oh, is this a Lamar thing? Is this not a Lamar thing? I think it's a a thing where he has all this experience and he's dealt with all these different types of players, not only over the course of his career, but in the last couple of years, I think he could be a good fit for just about anything. And it is sort of that perfect marriage of wanting to move forward into a different direction, but not throwing the baby out with uh, with the bathwater, especially in relation to your current personnel with Likely and Andrews, Kolar, all on the roster, I think you have good tight end talent that he's going to be ma- able to make use of there. But you almost have to improve at wide receiver by default. And I think he's going to do a good job making use of whoever they bring in, as well as running backs out of the backfield, who he does a good job of getting targets. And it's not just that. like He spreads the ball around uh, his entire offense. I was reading one of those athletic articles that talked about just how... Good of a job he did of diversifying his targets and who he was uh, spreading the ball around to. And it just seems like, seems like a guy who, to your point there, it's almost like the flubber thing. Like he's going to come in and be able to adapt to a situation. And uh, the Ravens have an idea of what they want to be and who they want to be. I think they or maybe looking in the mirror a little bit and saying, we're going to improve that. But uh, I do like the fact that this does seem to be a guy who's going to be able to adapt to it. And for like uh, whatever he is late fifties, early sixties coordinator to have that adaptability, I think is something good. Uh, I was you know pretty happy to, to read about that kind of thing because you would see a guy like that and automatically think, Oh, set in his ways, doesn't relate to the players. Maybe he's not going to relate to the players all that well, but I don't think he's going to be like one of these hard ass guys. That's going to, you know, make them not want to play for him. So yeah, all around, I really like it
0: for sure. And I like the nuance of going back down into the college ranks and exploring how to utilize the different hashes, exploring more new schemes and seeing what is trickling through at that level. And even into the sec notoriously kind of shifts last, like for instance, Alabama, like Georgia somewhat still today is like the, the last of the Mohicans they have somewhat refused to turn into like a straight spread team uh, and, and navigate in that sense. Like Alabama moved first, they bucked first, and are exactly that now. So I like the idea of going back into the college ranks, tinkering, being able to get some new sauce, and then go bring that back to the NFL and adapt it. It feels like he'll be able to incorporate uh, some of the spacing concepts of college football, the the mesh, and the ways to utilize the width of the field and play in that sense a little bit more so. And I'm excited. This run game will look different, but it's, it's, again, it's someone who will understand what John Harbaugh wants to do and add and grow it and make it flourish in the right way. And you see tons of quotes in those articles in the athletic, the name of the journalist is escaping me who covers the Georgia Bulldogs football team for the athletic. But um, he has a lot of quotes about, Hey, you have to control the run game. In order to control the game, you have to be able to make defenses respect that. If you're one dimensional, you're dead. So, um, just seems like a really the word I saw used by a former Georgia offensive lineman was pragmatic. Seems like a very pragmatic person that understands there are solutions in every sense of offensive football. And you know, we can speculate to do a lot of things. I'm not sure. It, it's kind of tough. I think he adapts, so it's hard to say. This is what they did at Georgia. This is what he did at Tampa in Tampa. This is what he did at this place. Here's who he coach for. It feels like you become a little bit more of a jack of all trades over time. And, and that's his direction. I don't think his offense is like some system and it's, you know, Air Core or, you know, a power RPO game or West Coast or any of those. I think it has elements of, of a lot of those things. And that's what I've said on this podcast for a long time. The best offense is every offense. If you can run a little bit of everything and grow it over time, then. You're going to be in a good spot. You're going to have answers to the test. You're going to be able to spread the ball out and make defenses do what they're bad at. That is the key to sports in general as a coach. Make teams do things that they're uncomfortable doing or don't have an answer for. And I think Munkin is one of the guys that has those tools in the tool belt. I think some misconceptions too. like He didn't call plays in Cleveland. He wasn't a part of the the Freddie Kitchens monstrosity in that sense. You can kind of hear his remarks on how he feels like that time was very strange and he didn't get the job done that he wanted to do. Takes the accountability. Gives me kind of Marty Morinweg vibes, the way he talks, just like he drinks and like cusses and is like more fun to hang out with probably for more than like 10 minutes than Marty Morinweg. So I think he's going to be a fun personality on top of it all. And I um, know I'm sure there's people who are upset and want some 37 year old or, or something like that. But uh, I think, And and kind of against your point, you were like, Oh, you know, he might not be able to relate to the players. I don't know the way he talks feels like it's relatable to anyone.
1: Yeah. I think that, that video Garnett posted, I don't know if you saw it, but that was really good. It was like a compilation of all the things that uh, he um, or is sort of a a compilation of him speaking to his philosophies a little bit. And when I say relate, like, I mean, like he's not going to be talking to them about like, (laughs) I don't know, like pop culture. Like I think he will relate to them as a human being really well. And I think like to your point that you're making, we can speculate on all the X's and O stuff, and you're you and Cole are much more qualified than me or anyone listening to this to, to do so. But ultimately, like at the end of the day, your resume gets you in an interview room. You hire a person, right? Like, and like this guy seems like a really well put together person. And I think he's gonna be impressive. He's gonna be able to command a room and he is going to be relating to the players in a, you know, in a good way. Um, like I said, maybe not in like talking about, hey, what you do this weekend, but I think they're they're going to respond really well to him and his leadership style, just based upon the couple clips I've seen. I really like that, and I like the fact that he succeeded doing it at both levels. Because you talk about being in the NFL, he was probably dealing with like guys in their mid thirties when he was in Cleveland and Tampa Bay, and then he goes to Georgia and he does just as well, if not better, dealing with guys in their uh, in their teens and twenties. So you know, just a lot of different experience, and uh, just seems like a guy who's going to bring the temperature down in regards to this offense a little bit. And it is going to, like I said, I'm going to keep coming back to this Jimmy's and Joe's. You've got to, got to get more talent at wide receiver. Everyone knows that it's the thing that we're always going to harp on. We might as well have a moratorium on it at this point, but uh, you're going to need to bring that kind of stuff in before anything is going to be, you know, some sort of looked at as some sort of slam dunk, you know, all the pieces matter. And I think they got a good piece today, but the puzzle is not complete.
0: Definitely, and, and like you said, you know, going back to college, being around younger players will refresh. It will change your expectations of younger guys or you know, players in general. So to have that, that buttoned up and that lightened up, I'm sure he's pumped, man, and I think a lot of people are like, why would he want to – a lot of the notion was, why would he want to leave Georgia? He was the highest paid, I think, assistant coach in college football. I think he had a $2.1 million salary, and it's because he's 57 years old. He, he jokes about how he's old a lot from what I can tell and recruiting especially in the transfer portal and the nil and all that stuff sucks it is a 50 times more draining exhausting time commitment to coach in college and at that level and to be doing it you know through the national championship game well after most teams are like and he's probably handling
1: a lot of that for kirby in the position that he's in too like a lot of the head coaches aren't doing what jim harbaugh does and you know go to the recruits house and stuff like that he's like the the face of the offense he's got to do a lot of that crap so yeah
0: Definitely. Definitely. So, um, and I think that's why Georgia will will end up going with Bobo and and continue on. And it's familiar. And I'm sure he was involved in that process. And I think that's what they, they all thought was going to happen. It feels like from what I've read, Munkin always wanted to go back to the NFL. It was in theory, like, Hey, let's help Kirby update what he's doing a little bit and get them over the hump of being this dominant dragon defensively that can never conjure up the, the potent enough offense and it feels like he just made those slight little tweaks in how to ease the ease the burden on the quarterback and how to have a really well thought out utilization of tight ends and backs and receivers and all those different concepts so um, i think it'll be balanced you know i don't know that he's going to reinvent the wheel i think he's going to do the opposite i think he's going to do kind of common sense easier simpler ways to attack defenses so um a lot of it's going to be, you know, going back, watching, saying this is what it looks like, this or that. But there's a good example today where it's like, oh, there's this really awesome play he ran against Bama in 2021, where it was like a, a half sweep reverse, and I ended up I've studied that play before. It's something George has run over like the last decade. So I think that's a good example that he likes to keep the good and tweak what needs to be changed a little bit. Um, some of the, the some of the mentions of things I saw were like, oh, he started throwing in against he he threw against heavier personnel like eight man boxes like 3% more and then 4% more and it's just like slight little adjustments to to come to balance. I think he is the ultimate balance coordinator and I think John Harbaugh is the ultimate desired head desire of balance as a head coach for someone who isn't, you know, involved in the play calling process too much but um, I think it's a good good marriage between Harbaugh and Munkin. They seem like they'll have a good relationship. It'll be Uh, a good fit in Baltimore and much to Harbaugh's point, Justine Anderson goes out and I do think she's getting, getting a little rosy with some of the stuff she's saying, but uh, that, you know, it was the most desired play calling opportunity left. And that's the other interesting part, like Roman and Harbaugh's coordinators, like Roman's not going to call or Harbaugh's not going to call plays. Harbaugh's not going to take that over. You will get a level of autonomy. Someone who was in college doesn't have to recruit. So I'm sure Munkin's pretty happy and I'm sure, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a functional relationship for sure. And a, a nice breath of fresh air from such a drawn out saga. And, and I'm sure fans are going to feel a lot more, uh, uh, I don't know. Won't think about it as much. I think it's just going to be like, ah, there's not going to be, I feel like he's not polarizing. There's not going to be some fast forward a year from now. It's not like fuck Munkin or, oh my God, Munkin is the genius. It's just going to be easy. It's an easy fit.
1: Some people, yeah. I mean, I saw a little bit of that on Twitter today, but that's just where the fan base is at this point. It's got people that are dug in one way or the other. And, I mean, that's totally fine. Like, I have nothing that's going to say to you that's going to convince you that this is the right hire because I don't know if it's the right hire at this point. I don't think anyone does. Uh, I don't think the Ravens do. I think we'll find out, but uh, I don't know. I I have a good feeling about it. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned some good things there. He, you know, throwing in, you know, what people would perceive to be running situations, running against what people would perceive to be a passing situation, kind of catching defenses off guard, having a good feel for situational play calling. That was another point that I was kind of talking about on Twitter. Like it just felt like as much as Roman did a lot of good things. That was one thing that he just really struggled with. And I think like priority number one here, I don't care who the quarterback is next year, this procedural you know, issues that they've been dealing with for the last several seasons in regards to substitutions and then how they cause false starts and procedural penalties and all that crap, that's got to go out the window. That is day one stuff. We're going to have to do away with that. Um, and just figuring, just having a better feel for, you know, game flow. I think he showed that very well, uh, in the last couple of years with Georgia, definitely. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how it translates to the NFL. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's another thing that caught my eye. That's uh, I think is an encouraging sign if nothing else certainly
0: and Munken is a former quarterback himself so the burden I, I think those things all tie into him wanting to ease the burden on the quarterback and on the offense and understanding how the quarterback can utilize the run game or utilize the quick game or rolling them out or whatever it may be to make things easier on offense i think he's going to simplify things very much so and whether it is Lamar Jackson or not but if it is Lamar Jackson the Ravens need simplicity. Like they grew too long and hairy and complex. And there were when, when 2019 it was like, Oh, they changed all their play calls to one word calls. And that's what Mark Ingram said. He was like, Oh, we have a ton of one word calls now. Like the play sheet is made up of one word calls. That's easy. And then it felt like that was not the case over the last year or two. It feels like they grew back into the complexity and the orchestration and the show to the nth degree. So having the familiarity to be that way and be detail oriented in that sense and and know what that takes is nice for an offense. But then suddenly when you're not fighting the clock, you're not making substitutions every single play and all of those things. It's a, it's a nice reprieve. So I think the shitty parts of what Roman did can linger into knowing how to operate at a more complex level when you need to, or if you want to. So, it's just toning it down a little bit. It's just balancing things out, and and I know Munkin has said you know several times that he is a quarterback. He was a quarterback. He views the game through that lens, through the passing lens, through that prism. So uh, just curious to see how it ends up transforming in. And I know that pretty unanimously, there's there's been a lot of praise, and that doesn't always resonate. And you know for it like who was just in the Super Bowl, Sirianni. He had a joke of a press conference. Everyone said he was underqualified and all that shit. And so that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen is what I'm getting at, but it's a familiar guy. Like, he's proven already. It it isn't some volatile, risky thing, and I don't know that the Ravens could afford to enter the territory of a hit-or-miss situation, and you can call it safe, but because he was in college because he was at Georgia because like it's not some stale dude it's someone that just got like revitalized basically in college and was viewing the game through an entirely different prism than you know regurgitating NFL coaches or like hiring like a Gus Bradley for instance who's like all right he's going to get us to being like mediocre plus at least and and we'll just keep hiring this guy over and over and over again so i think it's a different flavor than that but
1: it's also know, a man. different flavor like i think some of the people that Maybe have some, you know, they they were kind of throwing the same old Ravens thing out there for hiring a, you know, an, an older dude. I think they just want a young, good-looking guy because they think it'll be like a shot in the arm, like a, a Shanny or like a uh, um, McVeigh type guy. Which, you know, we were we were advocating for that with Slowick. Ob- they sounded like they reached out to him, but uh, it was either Houston or San Francisco. He wound up going to Houston. But like, if they hired a Zach Robinson or a Canalis, let's say they had like one good gear where they're like in the top ten. They're getting hired right away. I don't think Monkin is really a threat to have that happen. He might go to like... I
0: mean, uh, that's like the best case scenario, though. Like that that you were so good that... You know, you have the system in place, you know what you're good at, all of those things. That's, that's a, that's a good problem.
1: To have. Yeah, no, it is. But I think of like the fucking Steelers who always had good, good coordinators and they would just never get hired away. Like it was just so frustrating. Like you had these guys like Dick LeBeau and I guess Todd Haley kind of trailed off after a They're while. They're
0: happy. You, Munkin and in, in his words, uh, he seems happy with what he is, where he is and just wants to win. And you know, he's, he's knows he's no spring chicken.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like maybe a big college job comes open and he takes that. But I, I couldn't really see an NFL team with the way that the league is trending with some of these head coaching hires want to want to hire up a guy like that. So it seems like you've got a good long term investment here. Uh, he's 57. I just looked it up. So he's probably got another decade or so, at least in him. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's another another plus for me.
0: Yeah, I could see this being a marriage that that lasts maybe Who knows? I mean, the Harbaugh's are insane. They're crazy people. They are crazy football people. So maybe John isn't as tired as we think and is just an older guy and that's all. And this is all he knows and all he wants to do. The Harbaugh's are a coach family and God knows Jack coached until he was pretty damn old. But uh, I could see this potentially being, you know, a marriage that lasts for as long as the remainder of Harbaugh's tenure in Baltimore is. So Maybe, uh, maybe longer. For sure. And I don't know. I The Lamar Jackson aspect of it, it, it feels like a decent hire in the sense of the quarterbacks that he's worked with, Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield, Daniel, JT Daniels, and Stetson Bennett, like all guys that needed help. And if you don't have Lamar Jackson for some reason, he's used to that. He's used to working with a younger guy, working with a guy that needs to, to get the mental aspects of the game up. So I think it's comfortable in that sense. And I'm not sure that, you know, Lamar Jackson was really studying. Up. He didn't know who Rashad Bateman was. I'm not sure if he's really grinding Georgia tape or anything like that or going back to the 2016 Bucks, but uh, feels like it's someone who's a little goofier and doofier and likes to have fun and likes to win. And I think that's kind of how Lamar Jackson is. So I think they could have a, a fun little relationship too. And um, I, he, at the same he's never, Munkin's never had someone that, is what Lamar Jackson is like someone that can process at a high level and is easily by far the most insane athlete that he's had at quarterback. And he has all these little tinctures and little recipes. So I think this is a uh, cool marriage. If they retain Lamar Jackson, if they don't then Munkin's used to building it up and I'm sure, you know, whatever the Ravens are planning up, I'm sure Munkin was bought into that conversation as opposed to, I guess his other option looked like Tampa or, staying in Georgia. So it had to be something that felt appealing to him.
1: I got to, I got to bookmark this for uh, if Lamar stays and he has like a big week one, let's say he, like throws four touchdowns and like two of them are to Bateman. It'll be like at Todd Monk and at Rashad Bateman. And it's the shack. I owe you an apology. I wasn't really familiar with your game.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't yeah. know why. Justina,
0: don't, and Josina had the tweets of like, uh, Lamar was heavily the, the, the discretion of Lamar. Lamar was probably like, get me somebody who fucking will we'll be good. I don't know. I, it, I don't know that the the level of involvement there was some profuse thing. It just seems like a nice little oh yes, Lamar was involved and blah blah blah. blah, blah.
1: It's not. His, it's also not his job. Like it's not. It's not his fucking job at all. Get me a good coordinator. Like I'm not. I, I'm not supposed to build this offense. I'm supposed to run it. Like you. You. You know. You want me to be the quarterback? You hire that guy to be the coordinator. Let's just do it that way.
0: Definitely. And Mark here in the comments does have a good point from a locker room perspective. Des Bryant and RG three's praise bodes well for Lamar Jackson and wide receivers liking Munkin. Yeah. Those guys know whatever the the downside was and what maybe the Ravens didn't have and needed and things of that nature more than more than most would. So uh RG three seems to kind of praise the Ravens whatever they do. So I am not yeah. sure, but Des Bryant's been a little bit more vocal about uh the negatives of what Roman was doing and and what Lamar was in. So um Shit, man. I don't know. Todd Munkin. It feels like uh I like saying his name. That sounds right. Todd Munkin, John Harbaugh, Baltimore yeah. Ravens. All those things sound right.
1: Yeah, sounds good. And uh let's, you know, not for nothing. You called this what two weeks ago? So yeah, very good. Very good job by you uh feeling things out. The painting was a gift, Todd. So uh is that all we got on uh Munkin? I think so. Cool. I guess we can talk <laughs> I guess we can talk a little Super Bowl. Uh great game. I got the chance to watch it with one of my best friends who's a uh, Eagles fan. And uh, that was a great time until the end. Um, (laughs) It just, it just turned it like it
0: said it when they, when they kicked a field goal and uh, the chiefs didn't, I mean, I, that second Bolton touchdown was a touchdown. I, the, the chiefs were just they're They're lethal, man. They were just too comfortable playing from behind. That's why it just, they were going to die trying and, it was it was wild. I think
1: we both picked them to win beginning of the year, right? I, I know I had them over the Packers. Um, I think that was me. I don't think you had the Packers. Yeah, I, I think I, I I think I had Ravens going to the AFC Championship game, losing to the Chiefs, and then I think the Packers uh, were going to make it two, and they lost. I would have to pull the spreadsheet up which I'm not going to do right I
0: now. I think I had the Packers maybe winning it. I know I had the Chiefs. It, mm, I can't remember. I think I had Chiefs over Packers. I know it was Chiefs Packers though and I that was my my word my the rest of my preseason predictions all were in pretty good shape. I think I nailed most of the playoff teams and divisions lined up pretty much like I thought they would, but definitely. And was interesting. I think and I think the whole narrative of like Travis Kelsey saying people doubted them. Like shut, people were fucking doubting them. There, everyone was saying the Chargers might go undefeated. The all, all the talking heads, and I think the sports books were the ones that didn't. I think the Chiefs were still like third or fourth best odds, but for a team that was coming off of four straight championship game appearances, they weren't the odds-on favorite. They weren't the fa- the Bills were the favorite. I think it's they like
1: were- oh you like people. Nobody or like you know some people thought you weren't. The odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl is like nobody believes in people us.
0: People were saying it wasn't their division. There was a lot, and, and it wasn't everyone. There were certainly it wasn't like everyone was like, oh, like there wasn't some consensus, but there's never some consensus. So I I think that people have gone a little overboard in that sense. But I mean, the the essence of the Chiefs having fun is what everyone needs to take away from them, I think. And that was like their big halftime thing, was like, hey we're not having the fun we normally do. Let's make this fun. Let's make it like they didn't and Patrick Mahomes. They don't, is into, just, they don't get into panic. They just get into like fun mode.
1: Patrick Mahomes is just in like a, like a cryogenic chamber filled with Toradol. Just like giving a thumbs up. Like, let's go have fun. That looked bad. That looked really bad. The
0: noise he made. There was just, they just released the clip of him getting hurt. He truly at his core, like Sammy Watkins is the lizard King. He is the Muppet King at, if you unzip Patrick Mahomes, he literally is Kermit. Like, he, he said the noise he made was, oh, like, ah! it was, it was oh, insane. Go, go watch that clip. I think I, I think I retweeted
1: it. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, but yeah, man, that was, that was a really good game. I, I think, uh, I think it was unfortunate the way that it ended the way you did, or it did. I think you had some, some takes on, you know, and you and I are usually both kind of this way where it's like, people got to calm down with like the, we were robbed of this and that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I, my God, man, I did. I wish they had kept, the flag in the pocket, and I thought back to uh, it kind of gave me like it made me think even more that we walked out of Super Bowl 47 with the homelander meme, like the all right, like laughing, like uh, because that that really was sort of a throwback to Jimmy Smith versus Crabtree. And I think he you could have you could have held it in your pocket, and I wish they did, based upon the fact that it felt like they were letting them play pretty much all game and then that's the one and that that hurts but it just
0: I don't think they were letting them play I don't like and I I think that the camera angles and the slow-mo was so disingenuous and there was like I feel like so many people walked it back the next day once they saw the other stuff Juju ran a double move James Bradbury was flat-footed and Juju couldn't run away from him he completely stopped him from running and it was a hold like it it People, then people like, oh, it was an uncatchable ball, like all that kind of stuff going on. It was a hold. He prevented the receiver in front of the ref with no coverage, and the ball went there. Like, I, I don't know. And it's like, not in that moment, but it's like, okay, so what? You're not going to call anything on anyone in that moment. It's, and we're, the whole we're robbed thing of like, oh my God, what a, we all, we always need it to be this story and this thing. It's like such a, it's just like, Whatever. It's just this average fan thing of like everything has to be high scoring and entertaining and everyone needs a chance and it, it needs to be the Bills Chiefs divisional game over and over and over and over. And I just want touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Like don't fucking commit the crime if you can't do the time. Yeah. And And like, Bradbury himself. I don't know. Yeah. To his credit, he came
1: out and said, Yeah, I held him. So, yeah, I, I get, I certainly get that. I just think it was an unfortunate way for it. it, it, And even if it was a hold, like, it's, I think it's unfortunate Bradbury held because I don't think that ball was going to be catchable. They had rushers in Mahomes' face and he just kind of hawked it up. So, unfortunately, the
0: other lesson is if you are in the, you should never not have three timeouts in a close game at the end of a Super Bowl.
1: Dude, I knew that was going to happen too. I knew fucking Reed was not going to have one, and I had a feeling the Eagles were going to find a way to burn one too. And of course it comes down to that. You got to, these guys got to tighten this stuff up, especially in a Super Bowl. Like, come on.
0: That, I, exactly. When Reed challenged, I can't remember what Reed challenged in the second half, but or whatever it was. Maybe it was the Goddard catch. I think it was that, yeah. That that was close. And, uh, you, you know, the freeze framing of it, but oh my God, Juju Smith-Schuster gets yanked on, can't run away and into the end zone and it's not a penalty. But that w- was definitely lining up for quite a time. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was a peculiar game in many ways, but it was exciting. I, I had myself an absolute night on the Super Bowl. I uh, ended up maybe taking my pants off because I won $21,000 on, uh, on a little underdog fantasy, so I was pumped about that. Ended up doing a keg stand after that. And at, for most of the game, I was in first place on underdogs for probably a 45 minute period with a $200,000 prize, and I was sitting there with my entry at $200,000 for so long. If McKinnon would have not gone down, I probably would have won 75 grand. So it was a, a fun game. I feel like this was a fun. It was just a fun Super Bowl. It was a fun matchup. It was high scoring enough, but of course not enough enough for for everyone to be happy. Um, but yeah, what a, what
1: a thrill that would have been for you to pay off my car and student loans. Um, that would have been great. Um, but yeah, I actually I had I had a couple close too. Like if Mahomes had scored a rushing touchdown, I think I would have I would have walked away with a couple stacks because um, I had him and Hertz over a hundred yards, and then they each get a rushing touchdown. Of course, Hertz gets fucking three, and Mahomes can't get the one. Um, that was definitely a little bit of a long shot, but man, they they got they got close here and there, and that was that was a fun one.
0: The the fumble from Hertz was just. Insane.
1: That was weird. Yeah, it looked like the uh, it looked like the one that Mahomes had a couple weeks ago, where he just sort of like it looked like Jameis in the Rose Bowl, the the Kramer. You know, he just throws his arms up and the ball just flies behind him. Always interesting to see those happen. And for
0: for Nick Bolton to almost have a second one, there were definitely almost some some heavy Nick Bolton MVP payouts. I wonder if he would have gotten it if he had two touchdowns. I feel like it's almost impossible not to. If you have two defensive touchdowns in the game,
1: I don't know if Malcolm Smith had two. I know, he definitely had the one. I don't no, know if he, no, he just had one. Yeah, okay, but he still got it. So yeah, I mean, if you get two as a defensive player, you probably should, especially because like Mahomes' stats weren't great. I think he definitely should have won it, and I'm you know I'm glad that he did. But yeah, if Bolton had gotten those two, then I think that would have been enough.
0: Definitely, and uh, Isaiah Pacheco, such a fun player. The the Chiefs really just hit them with everything, man. And um, I think we like overrate the the like little in motion, the fast motion back stuff like that was more shitty by the Eagles. It was smart by the chiefs, but it was like other, the other teams beat them with that this season. And uh, the, the, some of the drives they had, Nate Tice did some good breakdown. Some of the drives they had, they're running trap. They're running power. They're running RPOs. They're run, just throwing the kitchen sink at you. Um, it's been fun. I don't hate Mahomes. homes. I don't hate the chiefs. I'm, I'm happy to say I hated them very much. So very early. I think Mahomes has is kind of calmed down. The main, the main factor was him chicken head, cockeye, roostering yeah. all the time and complaining about calls. I feel like he's gotten past that. So I think he has. Uh, and
1: I think there was like a little bit of a, is Lamar Mahomes going to be like the next Brady Manning thing. And it seems like that's, you know, probably not going to happen at this point. And that's maybe that it was Allen for like a year or two. It's been burrow for the last two years. I, I'm not sure if burrow is just going to stay in that two spot. Obviously he looks prime too, but, uh, a lot, of, a lot of good young talent coming up in the uh, the quarterback pipeline here. So maybe it'll just be another guy the next couple of years. It's going to be that number two to Mahomes. But, yeah, I've been making the point that he's the best quarterback I think I've ever seen. I think Aaron Rodgers sort of had that uh, in the mantle, but Tom Brady will maybe always have that GOAT thing unless Mahomes can run him down here. He has five more to I, go. I think
0: to. Mahomes is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, easily. And um, it really just comes down to can he, can he catch him in that Super Bowl department? And if he even gets close, then it's like, man... <laughs> This guy is. Uh, this guy might go down as the all-time great. So
0: yeah, he's. I don't. I don't. He, there's. There's no way. But yeah, he. For, for what the AFC was supposed to be, and the quarterbacks, and the impossibilities, and for them to divest and trade away Tyree Kill and go draft a bunch of young dudes and um, all of those things. So it was a, a, an amazing run by the Chiefs. One of the best teams ever at this point now. Um, the run they've been on of AFC championships and Super Bowl appearances over a five-year period over a 5 year period you can go really put that up with with pretty much anyone so uh, interesting there and just a good example of of having a fun football team being unafraid to do things differently take risks and and like i said that Tyreek Hill trade another reason why people were doubting them oh you know hill was what was opening up kelsey or whatever but the playmaking of patrick mahomes is otherworldly he is an assassin he is a ninja and he is a damn good quarterback. So uh, the first time since Steve Young, somebody has a substantial cap hit and wins and the chiefs knew that was coming, I guess, and had to go get more starting players knowing they had a great quarterback. Uh, They got a good offensive line in front of him and he makes plays, man. So I think just goes to show and continue to show that there's a thousand ways to skin the cat and get it done. And fun game, man, well coached team, but well balanced team smart. And that's, if you want to take away for the Ravens guys have to be able to come in and play quickly when you have a quarterback on a big contract. And, and I guess to tie it back to Todd Munkin and everything, like it's exactly that your system needs to be easy to learn easy to be able to feel confident in and to trust guys, whether it's getting those mid tier second, third wave veteran free agent types that are, you know, still able to play to a degree or it's rookies or UDFAs or whatever it is like Guys need to be able to come in and play quickly and feel confident in their role and spread the ball out and allow your quarterback to feel protected and go make plays if you're going to pay a quarterback that much money. So if there's going to be some some big error and big takeaway from that, it's if the if you want to pay a quarterback, um, you know, he's not going to be Mahomes. I don't think anybody will be, but. Has to be protected, has to feel confident, have to be able to get guys in. It's almost and like get him get him sport. more
1: so that he has a chance of getting close. I mean, it, it kind of feels like that, you know, the arms race thing. And like, I don't want them to go too crazy, but it's like, man, how can you watch that and think like, yeah, let's just go all in on defense. Like, you know, and I, I like what they've done for the most part. I think they had an exceptional offseason last year and hopefully uh, it continues this year and it can kind of be looked at as more than just a one year plan. Maybe they were building towards something, and maybe this would be a good offseason to uh, really, you know, I'm not going to say all in or, like, push their chips in or whatever that is, but uh, maybe this could maybe complete a picture for them.
0: For sure. And the simplicity of, of guys being able to come in. They lose Tyron Matthew. They lose Tyreek Hill and uh, protect Patrick Mahomes, and he, he goes and makes plays and keeps in games. I mean, that was the other interesting thing. It was like the – it was like uh, Achilles – in Troy, when Brad Pitt walks out to go fight the you know massive dude, and it's just like, okay. okay. Like the, the Eagles are supposed to be this massive juggernaut who played you know a little bit of a lighter schedule. They weren't in those close games, and the Chiefs have been there. They had done that. They feel confident, and I will pat myself on the back. The reason I took the Chiefs and won some shekels was because if I had to bet on a team to be able to work out of a negative script, it would be the Chiefs, and if they were able to get the lead, they're fucking impossible to take the lead back from. Like they will get you in the end if they have the lead. And the drive they put together was aided by the holding call, but maybe Mahomes puts it on Juju, but they took a lot of time off the clock and were in position to score and drained all the Eagles timeouts and, you know, were able to both play from behind and put their throat on your jugular. So uh, fun team, fun season a little bit, a little bit of a weird year overall. But in the end, the, the kind of common sense team seemed to prevail, and they're set up for the long run, and it's going to be Patrick Mahomes' world for a little bit and uh, kind of feels like you know who is not going to want to play there at this point. Andy Reid's going to come back. They have a good situation for their offensive line. DeAndre Hopkins is, like, tweeting stuff about them. I, I don't know. I don't know who wouldn't want to go there right now. So Chiefs fans are, are living the dream. They're the, the chosen ones. The script is out, and script says they're going to be good for a long time.
1: Yeah, shout out to Arian Foster. So is that all we got for tonight, pal? I guess so. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the pod. You can follow us on social media at Podcast Beatdown on Twitter. I am at Jake Luke. That's L-O-U-Q-U-E. Spencer is at Ravens4Dummies. That is the number four. Uh, Thanks for listening once again to this tight 40 on Todd Munkin, and we will talk to you again very soon. See you. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Get, get, get that! Baltimore! What are they getting? Everything out of me. They're going to get a two out of me.